Hello, friends, and welcome back to the For the Ladies podcast. I only have one quick housekeeping item for the week. You have two more days to register for our virtual clinic with Five Iron Golf. It's Wednesday, January 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern, and you can sign up at ForTheLadies.net or head to the link in our profile on Instagram. We will be covering Golf 101 just like we did last time, um, but we will do a little bit more about golf equipment with Five Iron Golf's Fitting Lab. They're going to talk to us about you know when to get fit for golf clubs, what's the process look like, um, what clubs should you be playing on different parts of the golf course, because a lot of you had questions about all of that information during the last session. So I hope to see you there. Again, you can sign up at ForTheLadies.net. Anyway, there is a lot of golf to look forward to in 2021 in both the women's and men's game. We'll be doing our best to share how to tune in, players to watch, and ways to support throughout the year. Um, so, for example, we have the playing of the Summer 2020 Olympics in Tokyo, the Solheim Cup, which is happening at my home course, the Curtis Cup, which is played in the amateur game, the Augusta National Women's Amateur, the Women's U.S. Open, and so much more to make for a really awesome golf calendar um, for the men and the women. We don't have an event on the LPGA this week, but they will return to play at the end of the month in Florida. So without further ado, we'll get into our next Golf 101, WTF is Golf Architecture. Our professor for this lesson is Andy Johnson, founder of The Fried Egg, which describes itself as a place where golf tragics unite to delve deeper into the game. They are a golf media company that has a newsletter, podcasts, um, which are The Fried Egg and The Shotgun Start, and a really great site that has in-depth stories, comprehensive coverage of golf architecture, and a School of Golf Architecture series that I highly recommend to anyone who enjoyed this conversation. We covered everything from why golf course design matters to how tees are set up and what makes a quote unquote good golf course. We also answered um, some of your questions that you submitted on Twitter, which were very entertaining. Um, I hope you guys enjoy our latest lesson and welcome to Golf 101, WTF is Golf Course Architecture. This is the first uh, ladies golf podcast that I've ever appeared on. So, you know, this is, this is, you know, you're doing something unique, which is what my advice to everybody that's starting something is, you know, do something that people aren't doing. Don't try and do something that everybody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Um, I just like talking to people who, you know, you don't regularly hear from on like, the major things and um and it's been cool like when I I went to one of like the four, uh five iron golf league nights and she was like yeah one of the girls was like yeah I like sent it to my partner because she like didn't understand why I was watching the masters so I was like okay like somebody's getting something out of it yeah <laughs> well those are like the stories you know yeah I don't know when I was when we just started like you know, you, you, when you're small, you don't know what's going on, you know, and you don't know if you're actually making an input impact. And then you get an email from somebody that tells you like how you've like completely changed the way they look at something. And it's like, God, that's, it was like, you know, that would get me to like, keep working hard. It, 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 and you have to like, it means so much, you know, when people give you compliments, when you're not sure if like people, like if you're at the stage where you're not sure if it's doing anything, you know? For sure. 
So yeah, so these are, we've done a series, one of them is Ladies of Golf, which is just like introducing people to women who work or play in golf or just like it. And then this has been Golf 101, which I think like there are so many like intro to golf things out there and that's great. We're not trying to like teach people how to play golf on this. We're just introducing them to like different parts of the game. And so felt like you were the the right fit for Golf 101. What the fuck is golf architecture? Awesome. And yeah, but I think like before we get into it, for those who don't know what the fried egg is, what is it? When did you start it? Yeah, we're a golf website, newsletter, uh, podcast. I started it in December of 2015. The idea was uh, to be the skim for golf. So newsletter was the first thing that we did. And it's designed as three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And the whole idea is like, you don't have to watch a minute of golf and you know what's going on. And it's got that kind of um, commentary. It's not written like a a AP news, news article. It's got some personality in it. So that's how it started. And then it expanded from there into a website and uh, a podcast. And now we do events and other stuff, but it, who knows what it's going to be in 2021. Right. Right. And was it, so it was the golf skim of golf. It was the skim of golf. Um, I've subscribed to the skim for like the longest time, but when, like, did you guys pick your niche to be like golf course architecture or how was that like kind of an arm of the fried egg? I was always interested in golf architecture. Yeah. I was, I always say that I was the really cool kid in college that was reading, uh, golf club Atlas in my free time here on the dorm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) People, everybody wanted to be me, really. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was always interested in golf architecture. I didn't really think that that's what our specialty would be become. Uh, but then I wrote, I wrote an article about Sweetens Cove, and then I wrote an article about a golf architecture feature. And sure enough, they were like the two most popular days that the fried egg had early on. And it's you know website, you know, I'd be tracking. How many hits? Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and I, I wrote this article on on like a Redan hole, and God bless my wife who read it, who has no interest in golf, right. uh, who who read the article, edited it, and uh, you know, all of a sudden on the Fourth of July, it was like we had we'd set records, exponential records of website traffic and all all sorts of stuff. So that I was like, oh. I guess I should write more stuff like this. Um, and that's how it got going. And then the podcast, a lot of the early guests were architects. And to this day, we do a ton of architecture stuff on the podcast. Nice, nice. So if you look at like the the demographics of the For the Ladies podcast, it's like 75% women, 25% male, and it's like a younger age group. Um, and just like feedback wise, I've heard it's a lot of people who are new to golf, or there's some people who are just like, just like golf podcasts or like golf content. So they're listening to, but if you were talking to you, like more of a beginner golfer, why should they like care about golf course design? I think it's a really interesting little subset of golf. It's just like building architecture or artists, like I, you know, golf architecture is an art and it's something to appreciate. One of the things, if you're starting golf and you're beginner at golf, one of the most frustrating aspects of golf is that it's extraordinarily difficult uh, and it can be frustrating. But what I've, what I kind of 
you know, I've had different phases in my golf life where I've been super competitive and, you know, everything revolved around playing the best golf I could play. But, you know, at this point, in my golf life, like really what I do is I go and I play golf and if I play well, whatever, but what I'm doing is paying attention to the golf courses that I'm seeing. And what I noticed, I just don't really care how I play. And I generally have a great time every time I play golf and it, it, it provides you another reason to go play golf it's a reason to go see places it's just like it's almost like in a way like restaurants it's like oh i want to go see this new restaurant because uh you know it's they've got this chef that was on top chef and you know, they have this great dish that i want to try or you know and and i think that's the appeal of golf course architecture is that it gives the the whole game another dimension it's not just dependent on how you play like you're enjoying your walk um and you're looking around and noticing the stuff uh that's you know laid out around you yeah i love that yeah because yeah now when i go somewhere new i kind of do look to see like what are the courses in the area like have i heard of them before should i care so yeah i love that i love that comparison yeah i it's neat it i mean they there's so many courses too and that that's the thing. And and I think something that gets misconstrued and, and this might be a question you have is like, what is good golf architecture? Yeah, golf, go architecture golf art is like an art form, right? So what I think is good, somebody else can think something else is good and that's right. fine. Like, right. I look at a piece of art and I might say, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. and my wife might say, that's the most beautiful thing. Like to this day, you know, obviously with what's going on in the world, my wife and I have gone for more walks than I, you know, probably we would have in 20 years this year. Right. And we always walk and like the natural thing on a walk around a neighborhood is to talk about houses. Right. Sure. And I said to my wife just yesterday, I was like, you know, she's like, I love that house. And I, I would never have picked that as her house that she would love uh, based off of, you know, the entire year of her telling me. And I'm like, I have no clue why you would like that house. Like I would never have pegged you for that. But like, you know, she's got a different view on houses than I do. Right. right. And, it's so and, oh, exactly. So I think that's the important thing. I think there are things like the stuff that I like is stuff that, gives people like you look at a hole and you can say, I can play this in so many different ways and makes you think about how you want to play it. Like I think the best holes are the ones that you walk off and you're never sure if you're playing them the right way. You're, you're thinking, ah, eh, maybe I should hit it over here with this club instead of hitting it up here with this club. Yeah. And, and then you do it that way the next time. And you're not sure like a hole that, provides you with all different types of outcomes based off of how you play. And, you know, unfortunately in America, most of the golf architecture is very prescriptive, very hit it here, hit it here and very right. target oriented. So I like golf that's a little bit wider that has openings at the fronts of greens. So you can play a lot of different shots into them and you can play from a different, a lot of different locations into the green. Um, so in a very basic term, yeah, I, I would say I like, if you want to compare it to house architecture, again, I like open floor plans where 
there's no clear definition of what a room has to be necessarily yeah. where your kitchen sprawls into your great room, so on and so forth. Awesome. I love that. So I guess that this would kind of leads into this as well as like what types of courses then cater to beginner amateur golfers. One that have a lot of choices, ones that it is kind of like you, you know, what you're, where you're supposed to go or what, what would you say? So I think like a very easy way for, say you're in an area and, and you want to go play a golf course it for most of the country. If you just, in a lot of times, Donald Ross courses are very prevalent in every area. And there's a lot of public Donald Ross courses available to everyone that's really east of the Mississippi yeah. is I would just try and find a Donald Ross course in your area because if you find like a golden age golf course, which a golden age course is a course built in the 1910s to 1930s, they, the equipment, the manner of the equipment that they use then promoted the ball running up to the green. And, uh, you know, one of the things with beginning golfers, senior golfers, um, women golfers is a lower trajectory. So like a, a, man golfer you see on tv they hit it so high that you know they fly everything into the greens pretty Mm -hmm. much from everywhere but what those older courses have because nobody could fly the ball into greens is they have open approaches so going into the green it's open so that's really good for beginners because you can achieve shots it makes it really achievable you can hit you know, you might not hit every shot perfect. Nobody does. Every the game's as frustrating for Tiger Woods as it is for a beginner, believe it or not. And that I think that's what makes the game so great. Right. But those openings into the greens allow a you know a lower trajectory player a chance to hit a great shot. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to a green that has bunkers or water all around it. That that all of that's doing is eliminating the types of shots that can succeed going into that. And I, I think there's nothing better. Like, so Pinehurst number two, I know you've been there a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, I'll never forget. I played, I was playing around with two randoms there. And I mean, it was like an old lady and old man. Like, yeah. <laughs> didn't know anything about it. Like they were, they'd been going down there for years. We we're playing number two and I hit like a really good drive on one miss the green or something, hit a really good drive on two, miss the green. All of a sudden, I'm like two over. On three, I hit it right down the middle. You know, meanwhile, this other guy, this old guy, he, you can tell he's not very good. He's hitting like like just grounders everywhere. Right. But he like rolled some, uh, he rolled it up both. Uh, one, he hit his third shot. He ro- ran it right up like to like four feet, made par. On two, he he hit he sculled his second shot. It rolled right up to like six feet, made birdie. And I'm in the middle of the third fairway, and I'm like, God, I've I've hit like perfect drives on all three holes, and this guy is beating the crap out of me. And he and he's I you know he's not nearly as good of it, but it was the approaches of the greens like being open allowed him to get away with some shots that were just okay. And that I think that's that's what more golf courses need, especially because a lot of like the, the golf courses that beginners go and play at were ones that were built in an era that didn't value those open approaches. Mm, Okay. Which is when it's like from 19, basically post-World War II till, 
2000. Okay. Let's just put a marker. They're still being built. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's where, you know, really hard golf is the idea of, of penal golf. Like if you don't hit it here, it's like mm-hmm. a true or false question on a test. If you don't hit it here, you're in the false area and you're not in a good spot. Like there was no idea of like, Hey, let's let people play and navigate their way around the course. You might not be great at hitting driver or irons, but if you have a great short game, you can make up for that at a course that does, doesn't kill you off the tee and approaching the green. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why like, um, I mean, Sweetens Cove is difficult, but it's why it's also very fun because you can just kind of like make your way to the green and then you have like a lot of opportunities to to still save yourself. Um, yeah. And like the band in courses, I mean, there, are, but it's important. Like if you go to like a Donald Ross, like um, I'm just trying to think like in Cleveland, there's Manakiki. Um, that course is super playable in Chicago. There's Ravis low in New York. Wilmington yeah. municipal, which is a Donald Ross, but mm-hmm. like so fun. Asheville has Asheville. Uh, the, whatever the public Asheville course is they're they're all over the place, you know, the East coast, but then in LA, like Rancho park is a great place to go play or Griffith park in LA, um, rustic Canyon, you know, there's all kind of, all sorts of places in every city that are very accessible and playable. Um, and if you go play those places, you're going to have a better time in general because you're, it, it's just going to, everybody's looking to achieve stuff when they go to the golf course. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's really about hitting one or two shots where you're like, wow, I am so those, good. <laughs> yeah. Cause those are the ones that you won't go home with. And you're right. like, Oh, I, I figured it out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There, I mean, there's a lot of like fun places. Like I've played East Potomac a few times and that was of course before it was purchased, but um, and like, that was so fun. Cause I could just like hit it wherever I wanted and I still had a good time. Um, but I guess like we are talking so much about like, what's good. What are like these, like, what are the misconceptions that you see in golf course design, especially because like when you're introduced to golf, you're like, I guess I should like watch a PGA tour round. And all you see are like, you know, beautifully manicured greens or like a really luscious rough. And you're like, is this what it's supposed to be? So what are some of the, like the misconceptions that you've seen out there? I think like the one we talked about it earlier, but like good and bad, it's, you know, it's an art and I'm, I'm as guilty as anybody, you know, know this, but it's just not my taste. Right. Like, so something's good because of X and something's bad because of Y that's not necessarily true. And a lot of times like the best courses in the world, like at Cypress points, a great example, there's like Mm -hmm. rules in golf architecture, never have back-to-back par threes. Well, 15, in uh, 16 are back-to-back par threes, but they're on like the, the cliffs of the Pacific ocean. Right. So, you know what? It's okay there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. fine. So I would say like the, the steadfast rules, I think are a big misconception and just in general, um, you know, golf is so counterintuitive in every form, right? You know, if you're hitting the ball left, they say you need to swing left, right. right. To fix it. If you're hitting it right, you need to swing or that's crazy. You know, it's crazy to think about that, but like in every aspect of golf, there's, there's these misconceptions. So, you know, in terms of like, if you flip on the PGA tour, you see these lush golf courses and, you know, those are the easiest things to pick out is this lush green grass, like understand that, Hey, what they have, all that does is cost more money to the consumer because 
the amount of money it costs to maintain that stuff. You know, if, if you're expecting that out of your local course that you want to play for $30, it's just not feasible. Right. right. Um, but I think in general, you but know, that's the, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And the not PGA tour thing. in general, this is like, it's a different, it's such a different game than what uh, 99% of the, of the public plays, you know? So I think, you know, if you're just, obviously it's a good way to get into golf is watching golf, but understand that like a lot of what happens there is a lot different than what happens in real, in real golf, let's just say. Right. And then, I mean, that goes for any sport. Like, you you know, when you play high school football, you're not playing at a place like the NFL players play and same thing with basketball. Like you might play in like a park versus a filled stadium. So. Hey, in some cases, you you probably are going to be playing at a course that I would rather play than right. PGA Tours playing. So <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's <laughs> like the thing is a lot of times you can go to the same town and pay half as much to play a course that might be more enjoyable um, than the, the, the PGA Tour course in a said town. Right, right. All right. So since this is a women's podcast, like I think a lot of us do play from the forward tees and a few people asked this and I thought it was such a good question is like, are, how are golf courses designed? Are they designed for somebody who plays from the tips, which are the back tees or they play, you know, how are they designed or like how maybe were they designed and how that's changing, but what, you know, somebody who plays from the forward tees, is that course designed for them? You know, this is like a, I think this is something that's changing and I'm very happy about it, but yeah. you know, I, I grew up caddy and, uh, and you know, like I would always caddy ladies day at the course I grew up caddying at. And it's funny. Cause like, they just like, they played like basically the men's tees, but it was like a par 78. It was so crazy. Oh. It was just like all par fives. It, I mean, it was just like, you know, it was so long, but then like they started to add forward tees yeah. over the years but it was like an afterthought, right? So right, they're just I think down exactly, and it, it, it so much of golf is in, and this is back to the PGA Tour thing. It's like this one percent of of golfers drive so much of the conversation and decisions in golf, and and it's right. not golf course design was really along these lines also, and I think you know in terms of the forward tees, I think that's changing, like the architects today the popular architects today gil hans tom doak bill core ben crenshaw they david mcclay kid they think tirelessly about different types of players different tees and how that experience is for different you know player players um and obviously then approaching the green making sure hey there's an option for a lower trajectory player to use this slope and get into the greens. And this is like another reason why like golf architecture is important, especially, you know, when your trajectory, the, the height at which your ball goes, and then also the distance it goes becomes more important is if you have a basic understanding of like how slopes and contours work and like a great, some people might think I'm crazy. A lot of times I've walked golf courses and I just, bring golf balls and I roll them around the greens. I like yeah. throw them and see how slopes funnel stuff in. But if you really, if you start to understand and you have an eye for it uh, as a lower trajectory player, what you should be doing is looking at exterior edges of greens and saying, Hey, you know, I don't have to hit it over this bunker. I could hit it over here 
and that slope can take it right into the, you know, there's one of the coolest things I think about golf is when you aim away to hit it close to something. So like, that's like my favorite thing in golf is watching, hitting a shot 20 yards right of a flag, knowing it's going to roll all the way to the flag and what the suspense of the ball rolling. Yeah. So like, sometimes I just wish I could hit, I could be a low, like a low trajectory player, which is why I like playing like old equipment a lot because all of a sudden then the ball rolls so much more and, and I have more fun just watching shots react and, and use the architecture. I'm sure this is really boring people. <laughs> no, no, it's good for the right audience. Um, so golf course architecture design, I mean, you just listed off quite a few um, architects who are, you know, trying to make the game more approachable from like all the tees they are all men so do you know of any female golf course designers that we should know of or like do you see any like why is it so male dominated aside from the game kind of being a little male dominated too i think that i I don't want to get myself in too much trouble with this (laughs) response Um, but i think it has to do a lot with the game yeah um golf very old school yeah, I think that's if you look at the trends and how golf reacts to trends, it's typically really behind. So, right. you know, it's still very far behind in, in women minority participation um, and in in general, it lags maybe 20 years behind society in right. general um, with women. It, I, the other thing with golf architecture, people like think it's like this glamorous job. Right. And it, Sure, for like Gil, uh, Hans, Tom, Bill, and Ben, you know, they've reached the apex of their profession and yeah. it's pretty glamorous for them. But to get there is extremely unglamorous and it requires like years of being, you know, essentially like a grunt on site, digging ditches. Um, it's a very, you know, manual labor driven job, like your early jobs or you're working on a construction site, essentially. So, you know, you're working a, you know, bulldozer, different things. That being said, like Jan Beljan is a, she worked for Tom Fazio for years. She does a lot of design work and redesign stuff in South Florida. And then uh, Angela Moser is a younger uh, associate for both Tom and she's worked for Gil Hans too. And she, uh, she's kind of like an up and comer and from, I haven't ever met her. I've had conversations online. She's an internet friend. Um, as we all have, this is like, yeah, this is like the, that's why I always say is like, Oh, there are people like, Oh, you're friends with that person. I'm like, Oh, he's just an internet friend. (laughs) Exactly. But, uh, Angela is from, you know, everybody I've talked to extremely talented, uh, young, up and coming golf architect, uh, shaper. So she would be somebody to keep an eye on. And I'm sure she'll design some courses of her own. She's from Germany. And so that, uh, but then obviously Alice Dye was, was very famous for her work with Pete. And that was really a partnership where, you know, she'd be Pete's editor and made it like Pete had got a bad rap for a lot of hard golf courses. She probably softened a lot of them and then would say, you know, Hey, I could hit that shot and you know, or I couldn't hit that shot. So I think she was from all accounts, from everybody you talked to, she was very instrumental uh, with Pete Dye's work. 
Yeah. And, and it's something that I say like a lot on this podcast and a lot of women have said to me is if you don't see it, you can't really be it. So that's like how it was with even just like my job. Like if I hadn't seen some female like marketer who's being, who's really successful, I don't know if I would have been interested in that job. So, you know, hopefully like the angels of the world or other women who like get into it, then show that other women can be in that career as well. So, I mean, it just takes time and hopefully we're moving in that direction. Yeah. I hope we're moving in that direction too. I think it's cool to see yeah. that there are, you know, women at least working in it. They don't need to be the name on the, on the golf course design, like nameplate. They, I mean, they're working in the, in the industry. So that's cool. Well, I mean, it's like the, the men are from uh, Mars and, and women yeah. are from Venus. Like, I think like a lot of things, like when you think about male traits and, and female traits, yeah. like my wife is always on me. You need to hire uh, a woman because you're really unorganized and your attention to detail shit you know it's like a lot of like the things that lend themselves to good golf architects are traits that you would say lean more towards women like sure. I think like a lot of the, like you know if I was like starting a, a golf architecture firm I might hire Angela to be like you know hey I know I, I'm not going to be very good at this because that's what really work is. It's like identifying what you can't do or suck at yeah. and finding people who could do different stuff o outside of she would know way more. She knows way more about architecture than I do. You know, she's actually in a professional, uh, you know, in golf architecture, but also like, you know, just in terms of like, and I, this is probably coming way across wrong in terms of like sexism or chauvinism. I hope it doesn't, but like there, you know, there are different aspects of what women and men do well in general, right. generally speaking. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. I, I just thought at the end of the day, it was like kind of interesting. I was like, gosh, there really just like aren't many. So I figured I should ask. I, yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense that yeah. there aren't like any name women like prolific architects like right. it actually it makes zero sense whatsoever yeah. and there haven't ever really been over the history of golf which is even yeah. crazier and yeah. it makes you wonder like what are we missing out on sure we just don't know so this will be something that the you know hopefully 2020s reveals yes perfect um, so <laughs> we had some very entertaining mailbag questions from Twitter. I think that there are a lot of very niche ones that I will not be asking. Yes, please don't. <laughs> don't <laughs> ask stupid ones. <laughs> if you would like to, you should just go listen to the shotgun start and then you can <laughs> feel free to indulge yourself in those types of questions. Um, but I do want to ask you a few of them. So what is the Formby Ladies Golf Club and um, should something like this exist in the U.S.? Yeah, so in the U.K., there's a lot of, there's a few, a handful of golf courses that are like women's clubs. Okay. And their golf courses are designed specifically for women. Cool. This should 100% be something that exists in the United States. Uh, Tom Dokes talked about this, I think, on my pod about how he's one of the things, you know, he, he is really unique in the sense of like, he wants to do different stuff all the time. I, I, I think like doing the same, like building the same type of golf course over and over again, makes him restless, which is why he's designed like the reversible course, all, you know, he does all types of stuff. He likes to zig and zag, 
But one of the things he's always talked about is he wants to design a golf course specifically for women. Like, and because like a lot of like women are way more precise than men. So like for me who hits it, uh, I'm hitting it shorter and shorter every day, but hits it roughly 300 yards. You know, I'm going to hit it way further right and left than, than a very good, uh, wood player who hits it 250 like they just you know your cone's different um and he wants to build a golf course that specifically and i this should exist and i would love to play it as a man because it would probably kick my ass and i'd have to play way differently and that's one of the cool things about golf architecture back to it is like we never play on the same field and we should have golf courses that present drastically different challenges you know based off it so I would love to see something like that in the U S and I think it would be wildly popular. I don't understand why a resort hasn't jumped at the idea of doing that. Like it's a no brainer to me. Yeah. So sorry. Is it like one course? Is it multiple courses? It's one course. Okay. Okay. So it is, and it's designed for women. I think there's one at St. Andrews too. Um, But if the golf course is designed for women, Okay. That's and I cool. think that should 100% be a thing that happened. Yeah, I love it. Okay. This one will make you laugh. Waterfall features. <laughs> um, instead of like how many is too many, which is what most people asked me, why do you think golf course, golf courses, golf um, clubs, like why do they find them attractive in the first place? <laughs> Well, I think there's like this whole thing about like, uh, and I, this might have been a trend that happened. Like you see it when you drive into like a subdivision, you see these yeah. like, cascading waterfalls and you're like, I always like look at it and I'm like, do you know how dumb that is? Like every resident in the subdivision pays like, you know, however much a month to maintain this stupid waterfall at the entrance. Like, and this is the same thing with golf courses. Again, this is subjective. This is art that I don't appreciate. Right somebody really likes it and it's like this picture in front of it yeah exactly they're they're famous like you know golf courses that people love that have waterfalls and i think it's like the idea and and this is a different type of architecture than i'm kind of more of your lay of the land i like i like the idea of i'm going somewhere and the golf course embodies where it is right i want to know i think that's like one of the unique things like there's another type of architecture that says hey we can we can we could be in the middle of Las Vegas. Like let's just take shadow Creek. For example, we're in the middle of a desert and we're taking you to this oasis that has waterfalls and features and evergreen trees and lush green grass. And that's just not my cup of tea because I look at it and I was an environmental science major in college. And I look at it and I say, you know what, this is stupid. You know, this shouldn't be here, but this is my opinion. I'm not saying that that golf course is stupid. I'm just, you know, this is my opinion on that art form, which is fine. And this is why one of the the other beauties of golf architecture is there's endless debates about all sorts of stuff because nobody's right, you know. Um, But I like, you know, a perfect example is L.A., um, Los Angeles. Like if you think about like the natural landscape of L.A., it's like these canyons and these, you know, dried out creeks. And for years, everything at go- with golf courses went away from that. Like they wanted to create this like parkland setting in L.A., which 
is like green and trees and creeks. And it's like, I person as somebody from the Midwest, I think the LA setting with canyons and, and like dried out uh, river gorges is like the coolest setting you could have for golf because it's so much different than what I see. And I think that's mm-hmm. what I appreciate is like, I grew up playing Parkland Midwest golf. And I really like when I go places and like say the in North Carolina and it's like the scruffy sand hills with the you know where you're all, uh, one foot off the fairway and you're in this like sandy waste area that that would look stupid in Illinois you right. know it, would, it wouldn't make sense in Chicago to have that but in in the sand hills of North Carolina that, that it's it gives the whole place a bigger meaning it gives it a sense of place Got it. Okay. So, so, so waterfall, waterfalls are, I mean, (laughs) they're fine. They're, you know, if you, if you like waterfalls, go for it. You know, there's a ton of golf courses with them. I love the like little fountains and and lakes that, that always gets me. It makes me laugh, but it's like the center photo of of a golf course. It's like you go to the website and it's just a fountain and you're like, that's not why I'm here. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, to each their own. There's some golfers that love it. So, so I'm, not here, <laughs> I'm not here to cast stones. Like I said, I was like the kid in college reading Golf Club Atlas. So, like, you know, I can't cast stones at anybody. Fair enough. Okay, this one's kind of like, a, it's kind of a bigger question. So, feel free to answer it as you'd like. But, like, how do you transition new golfers from top golf to real golf? <sighs> It's like such I a don't, big question. This is so. This is. I think this is like the overall problem with golf, right? And is that everybody's? Yeah, everybody looks at this question and says, "Hey, we need to come up with a strategy." And it's just, it's almost like everybody's self-conscious about golf. Like they're they don't think it can stand alone as like you know cool or something. Like the quarantine when nothing else was available. And, and all of a sudden, like the, the pandemic caused like, you know, golf all of a sudden became cool. Like my buddy, uh, all my college buddies are non-golfers. They're all beginners. And I love it because it gives me like a lens into like a, you know, completely different world than me. I use, they used to always make fun of me for playing golf in college. And, uh, and now it's like, you know, they, they're all getting into the game. A lot of them got into the game during COVID and it's, it's just it, like now that they're into it, they're really into it. And it's, I don't think there's like a formulaic thing. It's not like, hey, top golf is stage one. Next, you have to advance to this stage. Like, I think you should just like people that go to top golf, hit the ball, they're generally going to be more interested in it. You know, I think like one of the, one of the biggest problems transitioning, like top golf, you go there and your clubs are free, right? You got clubs you can use to me. The biggest problem in golf is, and I don't want you to get in any trouble with anybody, but is the the equipment companies and like the lack of like make, make a really cool, like eight club set that people can just buy for 400 bucks. Like the, the barrier to entry. That's like what all my buddies always ask me. It's like, Hey, should I buy this or this? Like, is there any way I can get around a $500 driver? It's like, that's like the craziness of golf is like, oh, I want to get into golf. Well, you, you want to go buy some new clubs? That's going to cost you $2,000. Right. And it's like, that is stupid. Like there needs to be an eight, eight club. And you don't need 14 clubs when you start, yeah. 
you don't need that at all. Like I barely ever play with 14 clubs. It's more fun to play with less. Um, like if you eight clubs for like 200 to $400, I think the game that would naturally transition because then people would be like, Oh, I bought this sweet and they wouldn't feel inferior because they had the clubs. If you made, if you just marketed them the right way. Right. Well, so there's a company I worked a lot with last year called Robin golf. They're based in LA and they do sets of like seven to eight. And, um, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, Hey, like I'm going to do like a newsletter and I'm going to include the women's set. They're like, we sold out because it was kind of affordable. I mean, it was more than 500. I think it was like seven, but it comes with eight clubs, comes with a golf bag, comes with everything you would ever need. And you could just, you know, you buy the set and you go and play. And yeah, think about like the stuff that golf can competes with, like other activities, like hiking, oh, gosh, um, yeah, running, like, yeah. Like, and it, what, what 30 year olds, tennis. Like, yeah, tennis, like racket, say you buy a really nice racket, it's 200 bucks, like a running, you buy a nice pair of running shoes, 150 bucks, right. like, and then that's is, it. It, yeah. The only thing that compares really with golf is skiing right. in terms of like cost. But then even as a, I guess you could rent clubs, but it's not the same as renting ski equipment. Right. Like to me, like renting ski equipment. It's part of going skiing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like renting clubs, spending like if it, a lot of clubs, a lot of courses will charge like $50 for a crappy rental set. It's like, this is right. such bullshit. Cause I would go places without clubs more if it wasn't for the rental fees. Right. Oh yeah. I know. I did take them with me and it's tough. It's tough. Cause it, you know, once you do get into golf, you're like, well, I want the set and I like want to be able to like have my own clubs and do the whole thing. But like, if you're truly just getting into it, I think like that, you what you said is like, it's, it's been so tough, especially with, with these women who like are coming because they like wanted to see what golf is all about. And then I'm like, okay, well I introduced you to the game and I gave you clubs to work with, but like now you're kind of shit out of luck. And that that's tough. And I do hope that like continues to evolve because it, well, it's holding us back a bit. I went, uh, my wife uh, is like beginner, like extreme. Right. She, she play, she'll hit a ball like once a year. Well, She's interested, but has not gotten fully interested yet. And like, t- she took a lesson a year and a half ago and she like loved it. And, but then it was like, it was like the end of October and golf season was over. So, yeah. you know, but you know, for, she was like, Oh, I, I need a, a set of clubs. So like I went, obviously I'd, I kind of know what I'm doing. I went to a rummage sale and got yeah. her like a good set of clubs for like 50 bucks, you know, but that's the thing that like my buddy who just picked up golf can't go do that. They have no clue. They're texting like, is this a good deal? You know, and it's, that's the hard thing is like, you can, there's totally means to get affordable equipment. The problem is that you need a working, basic working knowledge base to get that affordable equipment. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of work to do. I mean, maybe that's what we should do. We should buy up eBay clubs and you know and package them as sets. Them. Yeah, the business idea, I right? I feel there. like somebody's hopefully doing that, but yes, they'll be too greedy though. That's the problem. It's like <laughs> well, they won't have like we have to have it be a nonprofit. Yes. <laughs> um, you could make it. You could just go to estate sales and clean up. Yeah, 
No, I know. But right. You have to have the basic knowledge. Like you can't just step in and go do that yourself. Yeah. All right. Well, two last questions. One is who is your favorite golf course architect, designer? I mean, this changes every day of the week. Yeah. It's, uh, but I would say like sentimentally, the first like truly great golf course I played was a Seth Rayner. Mm. It was where I kind of was like, whoa, this is different. Um, so that is probably my favorite golf architect. He's gets a kind of a bad rap in the, in the diehard golf architecture, uh, world. He, yeah. You know, people, people come at Rayner, but other than him, probably like Alistair McKenzie, it's hard, hard to say like a, a modern architect's your favorite because it's weird for me in the position yeah. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Be> like, <laughs> you probably shouldn't choose one. <laughs> yeah, I can't choose one. <laughs> so no, That's fair. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But Alistair McKenzie's cool. And, you know, for anybody that's super interested, travel oriented, go play Pasa Tiempo. It's accessible. It's in Santa Cruz, California. It's a beautiful place, you know, take your husband, take your partner, take your, take your wife, go to Pasatiempo and then drive up to wine country, you know, like what a great little vacation, right? Right. And then there's a golf course that's getting built in wine country by Corin Crenshaw. So that's exciting. A couple of years, that's going to be the spot. That's awesome. Um, And then what advice do you have for women who want to pick up the game? Um... God, I think like never say sorry. Yeah. You no, know? mm-hmm. don't like, don't get frustrated. Like, don't get frustrated and think you suck because everybody sucks. Like, you know, I don't know. I, I got decent at golf at one point in my life. Mm-hmm. And still, all I would do is walk around the golf course and tell myself how much I suck. Right. You know, it's like, it's the most least fulfilling you're going to lose at golf. This is a, a quote, my buddy, my buddy said this to me after I qualified for a tournament once. And, um, and it was, he said, it was the, it's the best summation of golf. He's like, you know, you really got to cherish this. You got to cherish this moment. And I was like, why? He goes, because this is the 1%, 99% of the time golf just kicks you in the face. And this is the 1% of time that you won. Like, right. you you know, like, like it, it, because it's so true, like you're never happy. Nobody's ever happy. No. And that's what makes the game. So like makes people so crazy about it is it's unattainable. Like you're always chasing it. So, but never say sorry. Cause like everybody's trying as hard as they can. Mm-hmm. And like everybody makes mistakes and it, it, it's so hard. It's just, it's not worth saying, I'm sorry. Don't be like, self-consciousness is is the worst thing in golf like you just just be you go out and do it your way and don't say sorry I love it yeah I when I played in your fried egg event at Aiken Golf Club I was paired with Will Knight who works with you and um I think I said sorry to him like a hundred times and I was like it literally doesn't matter because like we don't matter in this competition like we don't matter and I just like kept saying sorry the whole time and I was like this is so dumb (laughs) like it's just you should never say sorry and golf because like I would I would get it if like 
I would get sorry if you were out there and you weren't you trying. Somebody. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. But like in general, like it's sorry if like if you weren't trying, like if you were just going out there and being a pain in the ass, I guess being sorry. But like if you're like you're up there, you're trying to hit the ball. You're not trying to top the ball or trying, you're not trying to hit it into the right. woods. Like you're, so why would you say, sorry? It's just like, a, you know, I know. No, that was good. Thank you. And thanks for coming on. This was great. Oh, I appreciate it. Anytime. I hope people listened. They weren't, you know, put off by the boring conversation. I hope I, I stayed at least where it was understandable. No, I, yeah, that's always the goal. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For the Ladies, visit us at fortheladies.net and on Instagram at fortheladies. That's F-O-R-E. 